Jerusalem is right on our doorstep, Blessed Carlo Acutis is credited with saying. He was referring to Christ's presence in the Eucharist as no different than when Christ was with us 2,000 years ago. Acutis would often point out that when Jesus was conducting his ministry on earth, people would have to travel great distances to see him. But today, he is present in every Mass all around the world. Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I am Vince Dragone, and as always, for the second week in a row, joining me is Father Andy Boyd. How are you doing, Andy? I am great. You know, we're talking about Blessed Carlo today, and we'll get into him in a minute, but I was reading through the article that you wrote for the Catholic magazine for the Diocese of Erie, not to, you know, put a ta- a plug in there for anything like anything cuz you're doing cuz you are the editor of the magazine. Again, not not putting any plugs in, but uh I forgot that you asked me for a quote, so it's just rereading my quote that I vaguely remember saying, but is accurate, so it's just wonderful to be here speaking about Blessed Carlo and also reminding us about the Eucharistic miracles. But beyond that, it is a wonderful week. Uh, how have things been for you? Uh, crazy as always. I'm wrapping up the uh, all of the uh, content for uh, the, the February issue of the magazine, as well as working on some video editing and uh, shooting some videos in my part-time business outside of this. And I'm, I'm swamped. And, um, and, and the holidays are coming up and, uh, you know what, father, I am feeling the, the, I'm feeling the pinch, I guess you would say. I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling the pressure to make sure I get everything done as well as making sure that we are, are ready for Christmas. And I am, it, it's stressful. It's stressful. Yeah. You, have, you have any, do you have any advice? <laughs> Cause well, I can really use it right now. Yeah, you know, I I just want to tap back into what we talked about last week. We talked all about Advent and really preparing the way. So I think refocusing, and this isn't just for you. I think this is for me too, especially because I feel the same way. Uh, Christmas is coming up fast. Advent's almost over and it just began. And yet refocusing my heart and my mind back on what has been prepared for us. And that is this season of preparation. And I think that, This is another wonderful opportunity and hence why we're talking about this today because I think I need it today as well as much as uh, we all need it in our communities is to refocus back on the Eucharist, the Eucharist, which of course is the source and summit of our uh, whole faith of the Catholic faith, the Eucharist, which is what we hold on to so dearly and so desperately cling to in our moments of struggle. It's the Eucharist that gives purpose. It's the Eucharist that gives us the strength to continue on in our daily lives. And so I think the other thing I would say to anybody that might be struggling with this time of Advent and how quickly it's moving and how little time is left is to really focus back on the Holy Eucharist and its purpose in our lives and even in our daily lives. Yeah, uh Thank you. I needed that. I really did. <laughs> Honestly, like really did. Um, so I think with that, I think we really should j- jump into our our, our our main topic here, which is um, 
who who is a, a millennial, someone that you and I can relate to. And honestly, someone who um, I knew about and paid a little bit of attention, but not too much attention to until I ended up uh, writing the December issue of the magazine and I started researching Carlo Acutis yeah. and um, you know where he was from, which um, I, Italy and I'm Italian, so I, I can relate there um, as well as him using technology, which I love to use and you yep. love to use and yep. many millennials and even Gen Z and, and, and many others love to use for, for good, right. Yeah. For, for sharing Eucharistic miracles with the world and explaining what they are and being one of the first to, to really uh, publicize that in a way that, that, that kind of really took off. Yeah. You know, the, the, the first thing I like to do uh, when talking about Carlo um, is first, I want to ask you a question, remind me and mostly not so much for me, but for the listeners, remind me Vince of your birthday. Uh, December. Well, wait, wait, wait. Um, am I going to get like hacked or anything? I don't know. Just just December of what year? It's Oh, uh, December of 1990. 90. Okay, there you go. So December of 1990. And then my birthday is May 2nd of 1992. And I don't, uh, you know, when I was talking about this, uh, about this blessed, who we pray is going to become a saint, and I really hope he becomes a saint for numerous reasons. The first thing I did in my homily back this past October on the day of Eucharist revival in our diocese, I brought up the fact that Carlo a Kutis's birthday is May 3rd of 1991, and my birthday is May 2nd of 1992. Carlo is only 364 days older than me. And I don't say that to show anything of who I am. No, it's also a reminder to me, and I think it kind of helps at least I think it helps, and from what I've heard from my parishioners and the students in my faith formation program, it really helps people to recognize that this is not just some random kid or some person from decades and centuries ago. This is someone that, if was alive, would only be 31 at the moment, that he is someone that is a young person, someone that is uh, a part of the young church. generation. I think that's important. I think that is so important because I would have gone to grade school with him, right? We would have been in this possibly most likely been in the same class together. Uh, Maybe he was just a year ahead of me, but that to me, that is so important to remember is that we share something so close to each other and how we uh, have this awesome opportunity to ask for the prayer of this young man. Yeah. And and like you said, it's not like he was born hundreds of years ago, like many of the other saints. And I'm not detracting from that at all, but no, it's, it's relatability, right? You know, it's someone we can, we can see ourselves being, we can see ourselves being friends with or knowing, or, um, you know, he's wearing the same clothes as we, as we did, you know, whenever, yeah. you know, when, I, you know, at, at the age that, you know, he, 
and it's just that polo he's wearing the red polo and all of his um yeah. pictures i, I swear i, I had that polo. Like that. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i mean we all had that polo. Red, red polo with like the blue collar kind yeah. of thing. like who didn't have something like that yeah and, that's totally uh, a late 90s early 2000s things I'm like oh wait a minute I, this this guy he's he's like me I, and i'm like him absolutely but and how beautiful he, listen, like, his he, life he is the only millennial thus far who yeah. has ever been beatified by the Catholic church. Oh, that's cool. And we, that's so we, awesome. We look to the saints for inspiration to how to live our lives. And for yeah. someone that could have been our neighbor, our friend, our brother, like literally be relatable is, is something that I, I don't know. It, it really inspires me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he he died uh, from leukemia at age 15, but before that, he was a self-taught computer programmer. He spent his own money buying books so that not to just learn about computers himself, but his whole goal was to share the Eucharist with as many people as possible. Um, there was a beautiful uh, story put together of his life on EWTN where his mother is interviewed. Uh, did you have a chance to watch that, Vince? No, I, I haven't, because oh. even though I'm a videographer and filmmaker, I don't watch TV. <laughs> oh, totally <laughs> worth it. You know, and I didn't find it on, uh, by watching EW10, I found it because um, it came up on Facebook, uh, and it'll be available in the show notes on our website. It's totally worth watching. It's a half an hour, I think half hour video, and it, it was so wonderful. But one of the things that his mother talks about is how much he was just dedicated to helping others, right? And it just uh, it's kind of gives me goosebumps hearing from his mother the fact that his mother is is singing his praises now and and telling the story of his life and how short it was, yes, but how how blessed it was. And um, she talks about at his funeral. I know I'm jumping all over the place, and, and I want to get back focus here in a second. Well, but you're excited. One of the things that just, and yeah, you're excited. Yeah, it's exciting because at his funeral, one of the uh, things that she said is like the miracle started then, the miracles of bringing people who hadn't gone to church in decades back into the church, back into experience of Christ and the Eucharist, and how people have converted and reverted back to the church after having heard his story and testimony at his funeral and how beautiful that is. Yeah. But he would, he would go to daily mass and on yep. his way, he would stop to help, you know, to help clothe and feed the, the, the poor, the homeless. And many of them showed up to his funeral because they recognized, um, you know, that he was, he really was doing something good. He really helped them. Um, and and one thing you mentioned about you know he was a programmer into Pokemon into video games and technology and things like that is he also set boundaries and that's something that's yes. hard for all of us to do. I know myself. Yes. You get that if you have an iPhone every I think for me it's every Sunday I get a a notification. Yes, me too. Me, right. How many right in hours? Masses. How many? Yeah, hours of screen time I've had in the last week, and just looking at it makes me <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm not even going to say it. I'm into a too embarrassed to say um how much screen time i have in a day but um i can't set those boundaries and and again we can inspiration and it can come in all forms you know from being um from trying to be to be holy and to be a saint but also to you know just be healthy right and and not be immersed on facebook and youtube and all those other places 
by looking to someone who was able to be strong enough to set boundaries um, so that he could do things like self-reflect, which nobody does anymore. I don't do as much. I, I try to, I, I try to set time uh, every week to try to self-reflect on, you know, the past week, what I did good, what I did bad, but that's only recent. Um, and that takes discipline. Yeah. And, and Carlos yeah. Cunis had, had some serious discipline to be able to do what he did, especially in the age that you and I grew up in, right? Yes. Of, of all these distractions. It really does take discipline. Another thing that really kind of, for me, was important when I heard about his life was his relationships with other people, specifically his friends. Um, he was a normal boy in every way. He was a normal boy. He had friends. He spent time with his friends. And some of his friends now to this day can still speak about him. Like, yeah, I, I remember him when. I remember him when and how much fun we would have together. And the thing that they always said, though, as well, is that as he would always have fun with them. He'd always take care of his friends. He'd go out of his way to make sure everybody was included. But he also made sure that everybody was doing something of service. He talks about uh, one friend talks about how they were playing outside and they saw a homeless person sleeping on the stoop of uh, a building. And Carlo went out of his way to get his uh, allowance to go and buy this kid, not kid, but this person, a sleeping bag so they could make sure that they stayed warm at night because it was a cold uh, December night in Italy. And, uh, and and so he went out of his way to do that using his own money. And even his mom talks about how uh, often he would guilt her into having to go and make sure that the people they saw on their way home from school or from church had money and places to stay and warmth and food. Um, you know, Carlo grew up in not a poor family. They had some money. Uh, when he was born, he was born actually in London because his mom and dad were in London for work. And so when they came back to Italy, his family had plenty of money. And one of the things about that was is that he grew up with uh, essentially a nanny, but a male nanny taking care of him. And this man who was uh, who is from India was um, – you know, of Indian beliefs. He he had the faith of India, but he was not someone, you know, he was he was more of a secular person, right? So he didn't believe in Hinduism, but he also didn't not believe in Hinduism. But it was by Carlos's example that he converted to Catholicism because he truly saw in this young man, this young boy, this true faith, this true devotedness to the Lord. And um, he talks about how there were oftentimes Carlo would go for walks before dinner and they run into people. And when they came home for dinner, um, he would make sure that there was food for those people. And it wasn't just the leftovers. No, he would make sure to go to the cooks, the family cooks to make extra food for them so that he could take the, it to these people so that they had a hot meal and they were taken care of. I mean, like I, I can't say that when I was in, middle school that I was doing that. Like I that's definitely not something I was doing, but my goodness, what a what a devoted young man who focused so much on giving to others. You know, Father Andy, so, all those um all those things that you said um about Carlo Cutis and him, you know, serving the poor and those in need. 
um, is something that, you know, we can all be in, I really think we can all be in, inspired by, right? Yeah. So we, we're so busy in our days. You know, like I, I go to work, I come home from work, help take care of the kids, help clean up, put the kids, get the kids to bed. And then by the time I have any free time, it's time to go to bed. And I just feel like I'm, you know, sometimes stuck in this kind of rat race. And anytime I get my, any personal time, I need to spend it on myself. Right. And, right. and, and blessed Carlo here, he's, he spent a lot of his personal time taking care of others. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and in the old kind of adage, what would Jesus do? Right. And that, that's what he would, he would do. You know, that's, he would, he would stop and take care of others. And Absolutely. that's, and that's something that, you know, to me on a, on a regular basis, I'm selfish and I need to take care of myself, but I can look at that as inspiration uh, for how yes. I live my life. And so that maybe in times that I am feeling strong and able to do that, that, that I will. You know, for me, having someone like Carlo on the path to sainthood, brings me extremely just extreme excitement and joy um because he is a contemporary of ours like he like we said before in the beginning he could have been my friend in grade school he could have been my fr uh, friend through high school um and it it brings me such joy because it's someone who's my age grown up the same time having similar experiences reminds me that everything i do has potential to either draw me closer to Christ in my relationship, or I could push myself away from him. And as I we go through this, having someone in our own generation, I think it reminds me at least uh, that I still have potential, and I have potential to grow in Christ and to become more like him in heaven with God forever, more like Carlo to be in God in heaven forever with God as a saint. And it's just such uh, it brings such great joy uh, that, you know, I, when I first experienced uh, Carlo, I didn't really know much about him. Like you had said, your experience was uh, I was assigned to St. George Parish before becoming the pastor here in Mercer. And when I was there, they had the Eucharistic miracle cards, um, not all of them, but just a selection of them. And by having those Eucharistic miracle cards, I started experiencing and learning more about Carlo and what he did, but it wasn't until this past October when the diocese had us pick, have a date in October where we all talked about the Eucharist. I thought, you know, I really want to focus on Carlo because of how important he was and is. And so we have those beautiful Eucharistic miracles. So Vince, Tell me a little bit about those Eucharistic miracle cards, because I know you did a little bit more on it for the article that you wrote. Yeah, yeah, sure. So one, if you don't know what a Eucharistic miracle is, um, I'm going to try to explain it, but uh, but Father Andy, feel free to, to hop in uh, if, if I happen to struggle or mess up here, you need to correct me. Um, but you you have the consecration is a miracle in and of itself, but Eucharistic miracles are typically something that there's a little bit more something obvious that happens along with that. And sometimes that's in the case of, um, you know, the, 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 the host starting to bleed 
or turn into something like a heart tissue. Sometimes that's something completely unrelated. And it's just something that is completely obvious and different than God provide that God provides, um, you know, in addition to the consecration. Um, and so that's kind of what we define Eucharistic miracles as not myself, but the, the Catholic church. Am I right there in saying that? Father Absolutely. Andy? Yeah. And so, um, blessed Carlo Acutis was, um, was inspired by these and wanted to tell the story and wanted to, to really bring those. He didn't really tell the story. There's, he, he kind of put together all of the, uh, many of the Eucharistic miracles, over 160 of them actually, um, and created these uh, PDFs and put them on his website um, for the whole world to see. And it was one of the very first times in, in, in the history of the internet, really, that these Eucharistic miracles were made available for, for everyone. You didn't have to uh, buy the book or, or anything like that uh, to be able to find them. You didn't have to research all these different places. You could go to one resource and learn about all the ways in which um, Eucharistic miracles have occurred uh, over the past 2,000 years. And looking at them during some of my research when I was writing this article, you know, some of them, um, you know, were, were as simple as... Um, I shouldn't say simple because there's nothing simple here. Um, but some of them were uh, where the the host um, starts to bleed, and yes. uh, genetic testing has shown that uh, it is actually human blood of, I think AB. And of course, I should, now I'm going off on something that I don't remember exactly what I said. Um, but the, the same blood type that is on the, um, the, the, the Shroud of Turin. Um, yeah. But then in some cases, um, in, in involving, um, you know, animals and things like that, where there, there was one instance in this, you know, and, and you can kind of take these, um, you know, however you want. And, and at, this, at the same time, there's, um, this is all, a lot of this is private revelation, if you will. Um, right. But, you know, a priest in the in the medieval times trying to visit a faraway place and he had consecrated hosts um, in his sack and he fell into a river and they all fell out of his, you know, his pouch and he lost them and he's up on the bank and these fish come up and they spit them out onto the bank in front of him. Um, but there's there's all sorts of Eucharistic miracles that um, have been reported that, that, that Carlo put together and put on his website. And yeah. these, these are all things that we can really take inspiration from. Um, a lot of these miracles happened to people, um, a lot of priests as well, who doubted the real presence in the Eucharist. Yes. And through these miracles, God was able to strengthen their belief in you know, the real presence that Jesus is present in the body and, uh, well, as the body and blood within the, 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 the consecrated wine and, uh, and, and bread within the Eucharist. So, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's kind of like an overview, if you will, from, from, from my, pers my perspective, you have anything to add there? Yeah. The biggest thing, um, to remember with all this is that, uh, these Eucharistic miracles 
are just that it's a miracle mm-hmm. um of course as you said yeah, the the mass in and of itself is a miracle but specifically these the host or the wine uh completely changing its physical nature right when we pray at mass when the priest prays at mass the words of consecration it is a metaphysical change right it's not going to always look like skin tissue or heart tissue. It's not always going to uh, pour like blood. It's going to still have alcohol content. It's still going to taste like bread. It's going to get stale. It's going to go sour if left for too long. Why? Because those are the physical characteristics of it. When the Eucharistic transubstantiation is occurring, it is a metaphysical change. And so with this metaphysical change, our senses don't experience it the same way as it actually is. But when we have these special miracles that Carlo has brought to our attention, um, a lot of them are those experiences of when the host or the wine actually changes its physical state, the status. It's not just a metaphysical change. It is a physical change. And so one thing that we know from these times when this has happened the uh, it's always the same blood type. It's always the same heart tissue. It's always a Middle Eastern man. It always is a heart tissue that is in a state of great despair and um, torture, and it's always uh, in suffering. And, and it's also, always I, I should add, living um, from everything I've seen is yeah, living right or recently or recently died kind of thing. Not like been yeah. dead for a long time, right, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it, 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 like, and it's usually like the one thing that I've um, read with all this is it's beating like it still is beating and and that that in and of itself is a miracle because like if you took my heart out of me and you cut a piece of flesh out and you took it to a lab to study it it wouldn't be beating anymore it would be dead it would be shriveled up it would be without life but this is something that continues to live and so that is a miracle. That's a miracle in and of itself. And so Carlo recognized this. And with his great devotion and love of the Eucharist, he recognized this. And so he took all of this information and he wanted more people to experience this. He wanted to convert hearts. He wanted people to take an opportunity to encounter Christ in his blessed sacrament. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, the Eucharist is the source and summit. It is the place where we find the beginning and the end of our faith. We find all of our faith within the Eucharist. Everything we do points back to Jesus Christ's gift to us of the Eucharist. Everything we believe, everything that we say, anything that comes to us from the church all points back to the Eucharist. Why? Because it is the greatest gift given to us. And as Carlo reminds us at the Mass, it is Christ's best sacrifice ever offered. And it's a sacrifice made present again each and every time we participate in this uh, sacrifice of the altar. The unbloodied sacrifice made bloody again for us so that we can participate at Calvary, that we can be present at the Last Supper, so that we can be with him as he ascends into heaven and as he calls us by name back to himself. And so Carlo, who had such great faith and such great love that he wanted all of us to experience that. So he made these Eucharistic panels so more people could experience it. 
And what amazing, what an amazing blessing it is to our church to now have those boards. You know, I think about when I was in high school, which was just a few days ago, I graduated uh, from high school in 2010. I vaguely remember someone bringing these Eucharistic miracle boards to Cathedral Prep and having them available for us in the library. And I remember vaguely walking through the library, looking at these and thinking, wow, someone really spent a lot of time on this. And to think it was someone who was my age and at that point had already died and now is on his way to sainthood. Just it's, it, it touches me even more now. You know, it's, it's so important to me now as someone who is 30 years of age, his contemporary, just how amazing it is to have this. And I really hope that if anybody's listening to this is a millennial, that I, I really hope this inspires you. Look up and watch and read more about Carlo because, I, I mean, it's just outstanding and amazing. Yes. Yeah. Especially as someone to be able to model your life around. Um, yeah. You know, just to, to kind of wrap this up here, um, if you happen to live within the Diocese of Erie or close by, um, in May of 2023, um, uh, some of the relics of Blessed Carlo Acutis will be traveling throughout the diocese. Um, I know right now they're not exactly sure uh, where within the diocese um, that'll be, but they're going to try to get that uh, his relics to be able to travel through and have many stops along the way. So, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And I'm sure if you're uh, within other areas of the country, um, at least in the United States anyway, um, you may have an opportunity as well. Cause I know, I doubt they're going to ship them, you know, back to right. Italy just to come back over in you know, a year or two. So, um, I'm sure there's going to be a big tour. So take yes. a look, uh, contact your local diocese. Maybe, uh, they'll have some information for you, but and I um, think a great, I think a great way for us to wrap up this episode, other than to say our usual, make sure to like and follow us, et cetera, is I think uh, let's take an opportunity to actually pray the uh, the prayer, asking God for the canonization of Blessed Carlo, because I think it's it's so important. You know, let's let's ask God to add another saint, uh, another capitalized S saint um, in our uh, church to pray for us before his holy grace. What do you say? Let's go for it. Go ahead, Father. All right, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, provider for the poor, champion of the oppressed, defender of the widow and orphan, you called your servant, Blessed Carlo Acutis, to be an apostle of the Holy Eucharist and model of Christian youth and holy industry. Through the example of his life and virtue, may we follow your Son, Jesus Christ, fulfilling his commandment of charity more closely and building up his body, which is the church. Let the inspiration of Blessed Carlo inspire us to greater confidence in your love so we may continue his work in spreading your love for us in your Eucharistic presence. We humbly ask that you glorify Blessed Carlo Acutis here on earth according to the design of your holy will. Through his intercession, grant the favor we now present that you would make Carlo a saint here on earth for your church. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. We ask that you bless us, keep us safe, and always keep us mindful of your love and mercy for us. And thank you, Vince, for another wonderful episode of the Encounter Mercy podcast. 
Couldn't do it without you, Father Andy. Thank you. Uh, we'll leave I'll it. pat myself on the back if I can ever reach my back. It's not going to happen, though. <laughs> Someday. You just keep stretching. You'll be get there yeah. next time. Uh, I was going to say, you look, I know uh, the, uh, the listeners can't see, but you look like a typical millennial with your American Eagle hoodie on. <laughs> you like it? I, I love it. I love it. I found it in the closet because I was cold today. It's really cold today. So I, I pulled it out of the closet because it's the only <laughs> sweatshirt that's clean. I got to do laundry. There I am again, another millennial thing. Like who wants to do laundry? I don't do laundry. It'll take another week till I get f- clean clothes. Just don't come too close to me. Oh man. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave it at that. So like, and subscribe and we will see you next week. God bless you. Bye, everybody.